chapter 2 Timothy, uh, 2, 20 to 21, it says this, In a large house there's articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some are for noble use, say noble. noble. And some for ignoble, say ignoble. ignoble. Say common. common. Tell the person next to you, don't be common. Don't be common. <laughs> Those who cleanse themselves, listen, because we often think, well, I'm either one or the other, and it's not really about my choice. But look at this. God doesn't have favorites. Some people just make themselves favored. Yeah. Right? Those who cleanse themselves from the ignoble, the latter, will be instruments for noble purposes, wow. made holy, useful to the master. I like that. Useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Disciples cleanse their, their hearts, realizing it takes a, a degree of humility, I suppose, doesn't it, to go, I was born with an ignoble heart. All of us are basically selfish. If you don't know that, you've never had a child who's reached the age of two. <laughs> right. Um, uh, we're all born with ignoble yeah. hearts, and it comes out in various ways. Some of us are selfish. Some of us are just uh, weak and fearful. Um, but, you know, if we cleanse ourselves of one, we're able to become the other with God's help. Amen. And so I want to go into a, a couple of areas uh, regarding that. I said this, this well-known scripture, uh, many are called, few are chosen, literally means many are called, few make themselves choice, make themselves Oh, wow. God's saying to everybody, come on, come, let's have a great adventure. Let's grow in God together. I want to make you just like Jesus. There's adventures to be had. There's explorations to be had. There's great exploits to do. He says that to everyone. And then some people go, right, okay, I'm in. I'm going to make myself irresistible to yeah. God. Yeah. Mm, like a choice piece of meat in a good restaurant. And all the vegetarians said, no thanks. Okay, like a choice piece of asparagus in a restaurant. We make ourselves irresistible to the goodness of God. And so I'm talking about how we make ourselves God's favorite. Amen. And how we grow in that. And I hope to stir you with a couple of thoughts. And uh, I've come on a little early because I want us to have some time to pray and minister and for the spirit of God to move among us. A little bit this morning. Is that all right? So we're just, we're just going to do that. So here's the first point. I want to talk uh, probably just two things today. Uh, let, let's do the next scripture, if we could, Sam. And let me read it to you. It's a, it's a long portion, so, so um, let's, let's read it. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, not murder, not steal, not give false testimony, honor your father, your mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, said this guy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. So now he gave him the general answer. Then he honed in prophetically on what was the guy's issue. He said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything. Oh, he gets to the point, doesn't he? Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad. Uh, ever been sad in church? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then could be saved? In other words, they must have had some money. Um, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we've left all we had. Say, left all we had. 
We left all we had to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, listen to this carefully. No one who was left, say leave stuff. stuff. Tell the person next to you and say leave stuff. stuff. Right? No one who's left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age, in this age, in this life, right? And in the age to come, eternal life. It's a beautiful story. Just leave it up there, if you would, while I talk. That's great. Um, Here's an important part about discipleship. Discipleship requires disengagement from some things in order to engage with others. It requires an internal shift. The issue here is money, but the issue could be anything. If you are overly engaged in shame, you need to one day leave that to become a disciple. If you're over t- overtaken um, with, with career aspirations, you may need to leave. You may, not saying you will, you may need to have an adjustment in your heart in order to become a disciple because our hearts only have so much margin. Yes. And so here's the main point. We must become good at disengagement yes. and engagement. We must choose what we engage with and not let things have us. Hurts, pains, disappointments, money, career, uh, 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 gossip, fear. The the, the list could be endless, couldn't it? Things that have our heart that fill all the margin that we have for attention and emotional energy and concentration. And he says, here, if you want to follow me, you've got to give up the thing that has your heart. Because to follow me, you must engage. Say engage. Engagement is so powerful. Uh, Wives, have you ever talked to your husbands and realized they're not engaging? And and, and you've learned a few years on, like Vicky does, to say, what did I just say? And Zach and I are both like, would you like some flowers? (laughs) Why? The disengaged heart and the disengaged mind cannot concentrate to receive from the thing. Right? And this is true of your walk with God. You must leave things, and it's different for every one of us. Leave what has your heart. In some cases, your heart is full of your past. And I'm here to announce today, leave it behind. Drop it. Drop the shame. Drop the regret. Drop the I'm no good. Drop all the thoughts about your identity and how you don't measure up. And are you good looking enough? Or are you tall enough, short enough, fat enough, thin enough, clever enough? Drop all the things that have your heart and engage with God. I can't because I'm, I'm sick. I can't because I'm poor. I can't because I'm full of regret and shame. No, the only way to follow Jesus is to learn to disengage and choose to engage with God. You have to have the margin. And you've got to admit to yourself, I can't carry all this and follow Jesus. I've got to give up something. We waste so much time in our own dullness and our own frustrations and our own, you know, um, disappointments with self. Whoever gets disappointed with themselves. Oh, gosh, as soon as you've lived more than about 15 years, you start to realize I'm so far from perfect. But let me tell you, if you live walking forwards, facing backwards, you're in big trouble. We've got to turn around and look up and go, right, I'm going to disengage If you've had a successful history, your greatest threat is your success. Because some people can never disengage from the successes, let's say, their first 10 years. 
and then spiritually live it, repeating it. Or in business, live it, repeating it. I've always been a teacher. I must always be a teacher. I've always been a car mechanic. I can't imagine disengaging from that world. When we left to go to Gibraltar, there was a disengagement from a life in South Wales and a wage and a house my parents owned and a good job. And as I've told you before, my greatest memory as a seven-year-old as we headed off to the mission field in a Citroen 2CV6. Hallelujah. And everything we owned was in this little bubble of a car. My greatest memory is my mom sobbing and yet the rewards of disengagement and engagement with what some of us we drown out the voice of God with the history of what our heart thinks it should love and thinks it should feel and thinks is important and listen you you need an annual time away to go, what is important? Because right now, you're going to go through stages when your life is full of nappies and school runs. Anybody going through that right now? Right? You're going to need to disengage in the stages of life and embrace again a new way with God. Does that make sense? And so we've got to learn to engage and disengage. Too many people treat the will of God like a bus. They only want to travel on it when it's going their way. I quite like that. If you really want to be a disciple of Jesus, you, you've got to go, okay, God, this is going to take change. Say change. change. Shout it. Change. change. Say, I love change. change. You're a bunch of liars. Anyway. <laughs> John 8. It should come up next. I think the next script is John 8. Jesus said, if you hold, say hold. If you, if you hold to my teaching... You're really my disciples. See, you've got to be able to hold to something to be a disciple. Not have a little bit of it washing around in the background, a few songs and a few thoughts on a Sunday, but actually my heart is holding all kinds of other stuff, good, bad. Notice the Bible says things like throw off everything that hinders and the sin. There's stuff that's not sin that's still going to hinder you being a disciple. And we've got to throw it off and go, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then, then, then you'll know the truth. It'll really get in. I think the frustration for lots of Christians is they do a bit of churchianity and a bit of preaching and a bit of this, but never engage their hearts. Three years later, they're going, it just doesn't work. No, it says, if you hold to my teaching. That, that word literally means if you survive my teaching. If you survive me. And, oh, and you're still there, you're enduring. It means to remain present. Not what did I just say? Oh, um, do you want some flowers? No, it means to be attentive, to be engaged, to be connected, to get our hearts and go, right, I've got to connect with this or it doesn't work. I remember being in Africa and um, we were in a malaria zone and there's quite a few mosquitoes around and we had one local guy with us and we were on about four pills a day to fight the malaria or, you know, potential. And I'd been taking four pills a day. I think it was for, for two weeks before I got there. Then I'd taken one on there and then I'd taken for four weeks after. And I'm there with this local guy in this malaria zone, and he turns around and he sees us all as Brits popping our pills. And he looks at me, and you can see a little look of worry across his face, and he goes, Can I have one? And, and I didn't say anything because he, he was our host, and you know, and I'm, but I, I'm handing him my little pill that I take four a day for, for four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. And I, I'm like, One pill ain't gonna do anything. <laughs> I don't really want to waste my pill on you, to be honest, because if you're going to get it, you're going to get it, buddy. This ain't going to help you. Listen, a little spiritual thought once every few weeks ain't going to work. 
Some, some people, you know, they get, they, 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 they get a rash and the doctor gives them a cream and says, right, you've got to put this on twice a day. You ever had this? Ever got a rash? Yeah. We never get rashes, do we? I got a rash, right? And I, and I get the cream and I'm like, right. But anybody ever forget? Absolutely. And so you put it on about four times a week and then you go, this blooming cream don't work. <laughs> Why? Why? Not engaged. The only way to engage is to know what to disengage from because our life only has a certain amount of minutes. We only have a certain amount of energy, only have a certain amount of capability and capacity. And you have to choose to be a disciple. And it always requires giving something up. But God says, whatever you give up to run after me, I will reward you with more in this life and the next. But leaving things is part of discipleship. Question, what do you need to leave this morning? And for some of you, you should be dancing in the aisles because the thing you need to leave is regret and shame and, and personal blame. It's not careers and money. It might be for some of you. But listen, for some, it's just an internal, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And listen, while you're worshiping up the pseudo-spirituality of not feeling holy enough, right. it's easy to do, isn't it? And it feels slightly spiritual, yeah. but it's deception. Yes. You're loved by God. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed his sins from you, your sins from you, you're clean. He will not treat you as your sins deserve. It's time to look up. It's time to realize I'm a child of the king. I'm loved. I'm blessed. I can leave all that baggage behind. So what? You mucked up as a parent. Okay, listen, we don't have a time machine. We can't go, oh no, that's Star Trek, isn't it? Which one's Doctor Who? Oh, that's Doctor Who, isn't it? Should we all do the Doctor Who theme? One, two, three. Come on, work with me, work with me. Thank you, both of you, for helping me. We don't have a time machine. We can't go backwards. If you can't disengage from shame and regret, you're never going to be able to be a disciple. So listen, get tough with your own heart in a good way. Forgive yourself. Stop looking back. Stop picking it over. Stop saying the if onlys. It's done. Move forward. The great thing, we have a God of restoration. He said, I can make make the future better than it was ever going to be. Plan B can be better than plan A. That's how powerful I am. That's how gracious I am. That's how good I am. Let me love you. Let me in. And the only way to let God in is to create margin and say, right, I've cleared some space on a sofa. It hasn't got the old dog on the hairs and the smell and the puke. We've cleaned it all up from all of our past. Dear Jesus, there's a seat. Come sit in my life. Jesus said, if I knock at the door, if you open up, me and my dad, we're going to come and eat in your heart. Let him come in. Let him be good to you. Got to disengage. Maybe for some it is a busyness, uh, 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 you know, a selfish ambition that just occupies your thoughts and your drives. And God's saying, right, actually, I'm going to bless you like you couldn't imagine if you give it up. Only you and your heart can work that one out. So don't come under condemnation. The successful career people or the people with aspirations, a lot of that stuff comes from God. But along the way, he cleanses it, doesn't he? In our hearts. I'm out of breath. I'm enjoying myself too much. (laughs) Right? We've got to engage. Otherwise, all all of this doesn't work, right? Jesus talked about yokes. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But what are you yoked to? 
Bible talks about don't be unequally yoked. We, we're yoking ourselves to things, you know, think oxen, think they're being strapped together, right? I've got to strap myself up to Jesus. But here's the good news. It's easy. It's light. Yeah. As we connect with God, let him into our world. Is that making sense? Yes. So the first one is we need to learn how to disengage from things and feelings and seasons and friends and people, as Lee said this morning, and choose our engagements really carefully and purposefully because we go, right, that engagement is a pathway to a better future in God. And here's the second one I want to share briefly with you this morning. And it hopefully would be the next scripture that would come up, Sam, if it let's just see. Here we go. The second thing about a disciple. Oh, I got too excited. I really am. Oh, it is written. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. Since we have that same, here's the little phrase I'm after, spirit of faith. Right? A disciple must be able to disengage and engage. Here's the second one. A disciple has to have a spirit of faith. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. If you read a, a, a chapter like you know, Hebrews 11, you'll find all the heroes of faith. And they had a, a spirit, an attitude yeah. of faith about them, yeah. of hope, of, of upbeat. You know what I mean? And, 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 and that God is good. And if God be for me, who can be against me? I want you to know what God is looking for, what the leaders of any ministry or church are looking for, Heck, I want to tell you what your employer's looking for, a spirit of faith. Guys, I want to tell you what your wife is looking for, a spirit of faith, a can-do, solution-orientated. God is good. It'll end up all right. I've read the end of the book. We win. We're going to get there. God's on our side. Kind of spirit. Because God likes it. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. You can't please God without an attitude, an internal um, uh, 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 giving of ourselves to the concept that God's good. He's for me. Now, you might think it's formulaic, but if you think about it, all relationships rise and fall on trust. They die in the world of suspicion. Have you noticed that? And so trust is a choice that we make. And great disciples have this sense of, I trust God. Yeah. I eat lions for breakfast. Arr. Come on, growl at the person next. Arr. Right. It's about a spirit of faith. See, God, God works in the atmosphere of faith. Faith is the currency of all of our relationships. It's not unusual that God chooses it. We work together by giving each other trust as well. That's how human relationships work. It's how our God relationship works. And see, faith is, is a conductor to the power of God. If I was to stand in a swimming pool and you were to throw a, a three-bar fire in there, I'd know about it. Because it would conduct the electricity straight up my backside. My hairstyle would change and I'd go, woo, I just felt something. Just making sure you're awake. <laughs> right, but if I was to stand on a rubber mat right. and you put the fire on the rubber yeah. mat, I remember being in a, in, a, in a car in an amazing thunderstorm in South Africa and bolts of lightning were hitting the road, bouncing along the road. You couldn't see too far until the lightning came and it literally doo -doo 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 across the road. Then it would hit the car. Doosh, doosh, doosh. And I'm telling the guys, we're in the safest place possible. We are, aren't we? In a car, rubber tires. We're, and I'm asking the clever people in the car, we are in the safest place possible, aren't we? Shall I get out and stand under a tree or, you know? <laughs> no. It's an insulator. 
unbelief, doubt, fear, worry, regret, insulates you from the very power of God that can help you. Whereas faith is God's conductor. If you trust me, he said, if, if you believe, speak to the mountain, it'll go into the sea. Wow, if I can believe. In other words, belief conducts the very power of God into our world. We say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But how does that happen? In all of that, faith rises in our hearts and heaven comes to earth. Something happens as we have faith. And so disciples have to have a spirit of faith about them. Does that make sense? It's like, who knows that, the reality is faith isn't natural, though. Right? Faith in God isn't. Uh, it's like you've got this trip switch. Who knows you can choose to be in faith or not? Yes. It's this little trip switch inside of you. And, and Anybody at home ever? You're, you're sat, you're watching the telly, and suddenly everything goes dark. And as Michael McIntyre would say, the man stands up feeling that I can do this. <laughs> right? And he heads towards, hoping that at least one of the switches is facing downwards. Otherwise, he's lost it. He's, you know, he won't be able to... Do it anymore. And thankfully, there's one switch out of place. So, you know, ah, I can replace the power and the power and flick on comes the power. Uh, Faith switches off in our heart. Listen to me carefully now. When we hit a pain barrier, often it flicks a switch and we, we click into unbelief and fear or worry and concern and anxiety. Uh, we, we go through a conflict. We go through a diagnosis. As anybody, you've been fine, and then suddenly yeah, your heart flicks a switch. Sometimes it could be nothing major. Friday, I woke up fine. By, by, by lunchtime, my faith switch had been flicked off. Oh, ask Vicky, I was in misery. Right? And the, but then I knew what I had to do. So, I, so what did I do? I got myself sorted. Why? Because I can't be a disciple with a spirit of de- despair. Yes. I need to put on a garment of praise. I need to lift up my eyes. I need to get faith working in my heart because I might have something to fix, but only the, the power of God flowing through faith can help me fix that. Yes. So if I, a pity party doesn't help anybody, yes. right? I pray for a lot of people with cancer. And the first thing I say to them and to their friends around about is, well, right now, pity is not going to help anybody. So get into faith. You know what I mean? Stop all the long, strokey hugs and the wiping of the face. Get some faith and go, right, let's be strong together. Why? God lives in that. It's the air that he breathes, right? We need to have a spirit of faith. What's flicked your switch off? You need to purposefully choose, I'm going to flick faith back on. I'm going to, as David did, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm not going to let anything steal my dream and my hope and my vision and my purpose. God is for me. And you need to do it on purpose, right? So you need to get in the bathroom like I do. You need to look in that mirror. That'll cheer you up straight away. (laughs) If you're me. You just don't look at the hairline or above. That reminds you of your age. You need to look in the mirror and you go, right, we're turning faith back on. We are solution orientated. We are future focused. We are trusting in our God. The best is in front of us. He leads from glory to glory, from strength to strength. As long as my days are, so shall my strength be. He's my sanctuary, my help, my shepherd, my healer, whatever God, my provider, whatever I face. His name is the solution to the problem. I'm trusting God. How do you turn your faith switch back on? You start talking to yourself because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So I look in the mirror and I go, Cooper. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you feel. 
Get into that little box inside of you and flick that switch and the light comes on again. God's good. He's for me. This will be fixed. I'm calling on his power into the world. I'm not going to trust in the arm of flesh. You end up cursed there. I'm going to trust in the fountain of heaven. God's for me, not against me. You've got to have a spirit of faith. You know the Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah. I, I don't know what its meaning's meant to be. It's probably got a few. But the, but the one that I, as soon as I heard it, the first time I heard it, um, you know, what's the chorus bit? Hallelujah, hallelujah. But listen, there's a, it starts with, now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. Can I tell you what the chord is? It's the key of faith. But he went through some stuff. And Bathsheba stole his hallelujah. Stuff wants to steal your hallelujah. Right? Difficulty, diagnosis, pain, people, miseries, regret, shame. Really, I'm preaching the same point as the last one, aren't I? You've got to disengage and you've got to flick faith back on in your heart and say, if God be for me. I mean, God's face worse stuff. Look at the tumors disappearing. If God can do that, he can sort out my kids. He can sort out my bank balance. Even if you've, you've been a bit dumb and you've inflicted debt on yourself, just humble yourself, repent, say, God, I want to be wise. But God, you're a debt-clearing God. He's not just a debt counselor. You need it, but he's a debt counselor. That's what Jubilee is all about. It doesn't matter how much you've mucked up. I can sort it out for you. Let me be good to you. But things steal our hallelujah. Things steal our dreams. Things steal our hope and our sense of faith. And I, I, I feel this morning people in the room are going through stuff. Yes, absolutely. And you can feel it in your heart as the switch goes off. Click, click, click. And the worry takes over. And the concern begins to occupy the mind. Listen, in fact, band, would you come and just start to get in place and play something that makes us feel spiritual, Phil? Because I, I want to reset your trip switch this morning. Because disciples have to have an attitude of faith. Yep. A spirit, God is for you. You've got to have a dream. Book of Acts chapter 2 says that when his spirit comes, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he goes on to say, there's going to be dreams and visions and prophecies. What street steals the hallelujah of your dreams.